Welcome on into Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars, a special postcast, postgame edition of the podcast. BYU falls in disappointing fashion, 27 to 23 to the South Florida Bulls in Tampa, moving their all-time record in the state of Florida to 0-8. Not a great look for Kalani Satake and his staff. A lot to break down on t- about today's game. I wanted to bring on a good friend of the podcast, a GFOP, if you will, my good friend Sean Walker. We'll get to him here in just a second. But before we do that, though, a reminder for you guys that Locked On Cougars is brought to you by our title sponsor, Deseret First Credit Union. Can't thank them enough for their continued support of this podcast each and every day. We'll tell you a little bit more about them as today pod- today's podcast rolls on. With that, let's get to it. This is a special postcast edition of Locked on Cougars. USF beats BYU 27-23. Let's go. I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network, and I'm pleased to be joined by a dear friend of mine, Sean Walker from KSL.com. Does a great job covering BYU for KSL. Of course, a guy you have heard on this podcast multiple times in the past. Sean, what's up, my friend? Jake, I'm doing great, and I'm coming to you live. Or Am I allowed to use that term in a non-live podcast medium? Well, it's, it it's, it's live when we're doing it, so it's live to tape, I guess. That's the easiest way to say That's it. That's right. It's live It's live as is, and I am coming to you live from Rio Tinto Stadium before uh, Utah Royals FC takes on the Houston Dash, and it's kind of coincidental. Jake, my man, I know you're a soccer fan. It's quite the coincidence that the uh, Utah Royals are ending their season on the same day that BYU football is. Ooh, wow. You had to go there, didn't you? Wow. Sean Walker right off the top rope. Or top shelf, if you will. Top, oh, okay, yeah, top shelf to bring the soccer reference all the way around. Absolutely, that's a good one. Okay, Sean. You can follow me on Twitter at Salt City FC. At Salt City FC. Also, actually, DSW. Check out his great work at KSL.com, of course. <laughs> all right, Sean. What a loss. 27-23, BYU falls to 2-4 and four on the season. Let's go big picture to start off here. What are your initial takeaways from that loss for the Cougars? Oh, I think the biggest picture is just ugly, 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 Jake. You know me. I like to consider myself pretty down the road. I don't want to get too high or too low or freak out over single losses or maybe even too much over single wins. But this is now the third straight loss for the BYU football program, Jake. Mm -hmm. And I think the first one in this little mini skid that they've got, you could explain away. Number 21, Washington. Okay, Pac-12 North favorite, dark horse college football playoff contender. You know, Jacob Eason coming in, Georgia transfer, a lot on his shoulders. Not a bad loss, right? Then you move on a week later and you go, okay, well, 28-21 to Toledo, BYU. You, you know, they're down, they're starting running back, but they showed some good things. Toledo's a pretty good team, right? Back West favorite, or one of the favorites at least, possible contender uh, for a conference title as well. One of the Certainly, I mean, probably not the top yeah. group of five teams mm-hmm. that you could see uh, this year, but, but right up there, kind of just underneath the, the kind of Boise State, UCS, um, App State, SMUs of the world nationally, right? So not a, not a terrible loss. You can explain that one away. Correct. 27-23 uh, to 23 on the road at South Florida, though. This isn't one that you can explain away. This is a South Florida team that was 2-3 and three on the season, just like BYU coming into this year. Um, 
And over the last 18 months, so going back almost two seasons, they had only beaten one FBS team. They did it to them twice, and that was UConn, which might not be FBS for much longer, if you know what I'm saying. Well, you're, you're so dead on. I'm, I'm glad you went there, Sean. Sorry, sorry to cut you yeah. off, but you're dead on with that. This is a program that had, you're right, had not beaten another FBS team, not named UConn, in well over a year. That is absolutely the wrong loss, and it's it's unexplainable. We can't explain this one away. You mentioned the fact that we can kind of explain away Washington. You can explain away Toledo, but South Florida, I I, I got nothing for you. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I have is BYU just wasn't good enough. I mean, it, every, everywhere around. And we could, we could maybe touch on some of the good, because I think there was some good to come out of this game. But the end result um, in every facet, offense, defense, special teams, coaching, game management, everywhere, I don't think it measured up, quite frankly. Yeah. I, I don't think the end result measured up one bit. There were problems all around. There's problems. There's obvi- there are obviously not just problems with this team and in this locker room, but there are problems on this coaching staff even. Um, I, I, I'm starting to wonder. I'm a Kalani Sitake apologist. I love that guy. We've had several conversations, Jake, both public and private, mm-hmm. where I've extolled the virtues of Kalani Sitake. I think he is a wonderful man, a wonderful human being, absolutely the right man to lead BYU students in this era. But I'm starting to question that a little bit. I'm starting to question Sitake. I'm starting to question Jeff Grimes as offensive coordinator. I'm starting to question Eliza Tuiaki as defensive coordinator. You know, uh, two years ago when Sitake had to make a change and he revamped his offensive staff, fired Heisman Trophy winning quarterback Ty Detmer as OC, brought in Grimes, thought things were turning around. I'm starting to wonder if maybe he didn't fire the wrong. Co- if he fi- sorry, if he fired the wrong coordinator. Um, I just think there are so many questions, and frankly, there are more questions than there are answers right now with this BYU football program. I think you're dead on, Sean. Last week on the podcast after the Toledo one, I said, similar to you, that I was starting to question Kalani. I've been on the whole hashtag extend Kalani bandwagon for a long time now. I've been thinking that he was deserving of it, but then that loss to Toledo, you saw some of the issues that BYU's had in the past with teams. We're talking namely uh, penalties in inopportune times, when guys are doing things they're not supposed to, and they keep rearing their head as a as a football program for BYU, but they just continue to to pile up and they continue to pile up losses like this against USF. And you just, you look at it and it's unacceptable. It's been four years of this under Kalani Sitake. You'd think at some point that his program might turn the corner and figure things out, but it appears that they haven't turned the corner. They haven't figured it out. I'm also with you in the regards that maybe he needs to look at his coaching staff long and hard and determine, okay, are these the right guys to work with me? I completely get that Elisa Tuiaki is one of his best friends in the entire world. I also know that Ed Lamb has a large degree of influence on what BYU does defensively because he's got more of a special teams and defensive background in his coaching career. There are a lot of question marks surrounding this BYU football program, and there's not many answers that I have readily available for people that are listening to this podcast. I know that's why they're listening to us. They want us to give them answers, but right now, Sean, I think both you and I are at a loss of what the correct answer is. Yeah, I mean, let's 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 just take one area in, in particular because we can talk in really big, fiery, hot takes right now. And okay, I got that off of my chest, so maybe I can steam down a little bit. Um, and so I'll give you a moment to cool off. But let's just take one one 
part in particular, okay? BYU came into this game uh, average, giving up 4.66 yards per rush or 220.8 yards per game in the rush defense. That's 120th in the nation. Yep. Okay? That is the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10th worst run defense nationally. Sorry, tied for ninth. Tied for ninth, I guess, if you go by yards per game. Tied with Kansas. Okay. Um, all right. Let's look at some just, – just for reference sake, okay, some of uh, some of the teams that are around them in that rush defense category, okay? You've got UNLV at 117. You know I love my reps. Yeah. But – that's probably not somewhere that someone that you want to be associated with. 118, Georgia State. 119, Colorado State. 121, uh, again, tied in, in yards per game given up on the ground. Kansas, uh, inarguably mm. the worst Power 5 team in America. Uh, Bowling Green, San Jose State at 123, just behind BYU. UTSA. I mean, this is, this is not good. And you're thinking, okay, well, BYU's played – a bunch of really good running backs, some absolute studs on the field. Like maybe the strength of schedule is taking their toll, and they'll just get better and better. Maybe they can prove. Maybe they can prove their haters wrong. This defensive line, linebacker core, run defense in general, um, and really take USF to the woodshed. Right? Yeah. USF averaged 5.5 yards per carry for 243 yards on the ground. The Bulls outgame BYU 243 to 218 um, on the ground. 243 yards, Jake. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jordan Cron- Cronkrite, I uh-huh. think I'm pronouncing that name right, but I'm Cronkrite, probably wrong. Yep. I apologize. Yeah, I think Cronkrite rhymes with concrete. Correct. 158 yards and two touchdowns. 6.1 yards per carry. Okay, again. If you're if you're giving something up like that to Zach Moss, to you know some stuff from Washington, to to some of the best running backs in the nation, that's one thing. Once again, uh, all due respect to Jordan Cronkite from South Florida, he's not that guy. No, BYU had a lot of questions in the run defense, in particular, coming into this game. They didn't solve those one bit. I, I, so that's just one example for you. Yeah, no, amen to that. And this has been a week-in and week-out thing for this BYU defense. Kalani Satake came to BYU with two reputations, Sean, and you and I both know this. He came to reputation, came in with a reputation that he could recruit at a high level, and he also put solid defenses on the field that were particularly solid against rushing attacks. What I feel like one of Kalani's biggest strengths in terms of his ability to game plan for rush defenses, and this doesn't directly impact Kalani because he is the head coach. He has a defensive coordinator in Elisa Tuiaki. But to, to see BYU giving up almost 250 yards game in and game out rushing-wise, one of the biggest strengths of Kalani Sitake's complete reputation as a coach has become his biggest weakness. When a team can run for 250 yards in a game, there's no doubt out that they're going to have a much easier time beating you and we're seeing that at least through the last three games in particular for BYU and you can extend this all the way out through the first six games of the season yeah I mean it's no wonder when you look at numbers like that it's no wonder why BYU is look is two and four on the season right now and I I don't know I mean if you want to look ahead at all I don't see any reason why they should win at the very least either of their next two games at home against currently number four Boise State, and then on the road at Utah State as the Aggies look for uh, 
look for a couple in the road, uh, three in a row. Yeah, three in a row, there, four in the last seven. Rival. Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I don't see, I don't, I don't see any reason for optimism in either one of those two games. I, for BYU getting another win before November. I I am struggling to come up with anything that I can think of, but there's there's nothing out there because you got to be thinking, and these are two coaches. We're talking about Brian Harson and Gary Anderson, the head coaches for Boise State and Utah State, respectively. Well, guess what? Their personality as head coaches is if we can run the ball, we'll run it down your throat all <laughs> night long until you prove you can stop it. Well, BYU hasn't proven they can stop anybody running the ball, so that you're absolutely right, Sean. There is not a lot of reason for optimism over the next two games in three weeks for BYU because it appears the Cougars could be two and six real quick. Yeah. Amen. 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 CJ, I told you we were going to get fiery on this podcast and I hope your, I hope your listeners appreciate this for what it is. Okay. So Sean, uh, let's take a time out here. We'll come back on the other side. We need to talk a little bit more. I want to look and see if we can find anything that might be a, a, a minor positive in this game. We need to talk to you real quick about our, our title sponsor on the podcast, and that is Deseret First Credit Union, proud sponsor of Locked On Cougars. We're proud to have them on board. Can't thank them enough for continuing to sponsor this show. Reminder for you guys that right now, the interest rates are extremely low, and it's a great time to consider refinancing your home. If you've considered doing it, get on it, guys, because it could save potentially up to hundreds of dollars a month for you, put it right back into your pocket and allow you to reinvest that into a passion project of yours. You have a sport that you're trying to pursue. You want to get into woodworking. You want to read more books, regardless of whatever you want to do. Having extra money in your pocket is a great reason to consider refinancing your mortgage, especially with interest rates as low as they are right now. Give the DFCU mortgage team a call, 801-456-7070, or check them out at DFC com to apply in five minutes or less. They're a great partner of Locked On Cougars. They'd love to be a great partner with you in helping you get into a better financial situation by refinancing your home loan right now. Give them a call once again, 801-456-7070 or go to dfcu.com to find out more about Deseret First Credit Union and refinancing your home loan. Reminder for you guys that Locked On Cougars is available everywhere podcasts are to be found. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play or Google Podcasts, also the Himalaya Podcast app. Regardless of wherever you listen to podcasts, subscribe and give us a good rating and review. It really does help get the word out about the podcast when those podcast providers see people interacting with the show itself. So thanks in advance for doing that. Continuing on here with this special post-game edition of Locked On Cougars, BYU Falls 27-23 to the South Florida Bulls. Sean Walker from KSL.com still with me here. All right, Sean, we uh, let BYU and their coaching staff have it to a large degree just a minute ago. Are there any positives we can take away from this loss for the Cougars? Yeah, no, Jake, thanks for that lengthy ad read right there because I think you allowed me enough time to cool off and settle down. (laughs) Hopefully it's the same way for a lot of BYU fans. And wait, hold on, let me scroll over to Twitter. Nope, that's still not the case. Nope. We're cooled down a little bit, so that's good to know. Um, and, yeah, there are, I think there are a couple of good things, uh, a couple of, of positives that came out of this game. Uh, again, a 27-23 loss of South Florida. We're, we're painting lipstick on a pig a little bit. Um, but I was pretty impressed with the play of, uh, of current starter slash maybe former starter uh, Jaron Hall. We, know he, we knew coming into this game he was going to be the first African-American starting quarterback in BYU history. Correct. Uh, and the historical nature of the moment didn't seem to get to him. I mean, he played, all things considered, very well. 
15 to 23 passing for 148 yards, one touchdown, uh, no interception, finishes with a 133.6 quarterback rating if you buy into that stuff, mm-hmm. ESPN. Um, and then he ran for uh, 110 gross yards, 83 net if you, when you factor in sacks, and another touchdowns, including a really nice 32-yarder that uh, set up a, another touchdown run of his there in the second half. So I, I think Jaron played particularly very well. Um, his backup, Baylor Romney, which we now know, Baylor Romney was a third-string quarterback. He was the first guy off the bench when Jaron was, was hurt. Um, he came in and even played relatively well. You know, we can say, I think, similar things about Baylor this week as we said about Jaron last week. Yeah. Subbing in for Zach Wilson at the end of that Toledo loss. Um, six of ten passing, 73 yards. Uh, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Boy, if he had connected with his brother Gunner there on that final drive, though, uh, <laughs> maybe we'd be having a completely different podcast right now at the moment. So yeah, absolutely. I think the quarterbacks, all things considered, were very good. Jaron, very good. Uh, Baylor, good in his limited time there. Uh, that might be about it offensively, though. There was just way too much reactivity. The offensive line gave up six sacks, six one, two, three, four, five, six. Um, that's not good enough. The offense actually, or the, uh, the the defense ended this game with a positive turnover margin. I think they were plus one in turnovers. Correct. Thanks to Chad Ayu's mostly uh, needless and unnecessary interception that didn't wind up meaning much uh, at the end of the day. So that I think that was good overall. But overall, I, I mean, the, the positive efforts were particularly mostly wasted I think in this game. Yeah, I would agree with you. It was few and far between when it comes to the guys who stood out on the field. I'm with you in the regards that Jaron Hall, I thought he showed quite well. I actually like him running the ball a lot, Sean, and we'll see if he's able to go again next week. Kalani Satake didn't have a definitive update for for him after the game, saying that he thought it might have been a concussion, but they'll have more for, on that on Monday. But then I, I thought that when uh, Baylor Romney came in in relief of Hall, he just went out there and played football. And that's what I, that's what I like to see from a guy like that, who's a third string quarterback doesn't get himself too hyped up in the moment he just went out and made plays and that's that was impressive but you're right every positive that we are trying to come up with here Sean was wasted to a large degree because like you said Chaz you gets an interception you think okay this is a break for BYU what, what do they proceed to do they proceed to go three and out and as they try to punt the ball away Danny Jones fumbles the snap and they give the USF the ball in plus territory the, the 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 mistakes, and I'm I'm going back to the negative. I probably shouldn't be doing this, but I'm going back to the negative here for a minute. The mistakes that BYU makes to hurt themselves in critical downs and distances, and also at critical moments of games, are just unacceptable. And it's just become a hallmark of of Kalani Satake's tenure as BYU head coach. And it's something that ultimately may do him in. And that's a sad thing to think about. Yeah, that really is sad. Because I mean, again, this wasn't a totally wasted effort. There were very good standout performances. I mean, we can go back to the defense. I thought Peyton Wilgart had a really nice game. Eight ta- team high eight tackles yeah. in there. Isaiah Kafusi, you know, had that really nice tackle for loss uh, there. In the, had the fumble the recovery, too, yeah. Quarter. Yeah, yeah. Recovers a fumble there that looked more like an interception, but we got to call it a fumble recovery. Yes. Um, I mean, there were there were some really, really good moments. Um, and, and I don't think we can totally ignore them, but every time we try to mention them, want to mention them, want to look at them. It, it was just 
foot meet shotgun shell. I mean, BYU <laughs> shooting itself in the foot with every ounce of positive momentum that they could gain against, and I'm going back to the first segment a little bit here, a USF team that is that inexplicably won this game, which was not a game that BYU should have should have lost. Um, I don't care if they were 0-8 all-time in the state of Florida coming into this game. This, this is a team that, that BYU should beat, even a BYU team in its rather middling and mediocre years. Um, unacceptable loss overall. Hopefully they take away some positives. Film review will be uh, really interesting. Oh, to be a fly on the wall this Monday and be a student-athlete building <laughs> on campus. Yeah. Um, well, Sean, just but, to go to your point real quick on this, BYU shouldn't have lost this game. They lost to a quarterback who passed the ball for 72 yards. Jordan McLeod was 7 of 14 for 72 yards, one touchdown and one interception in this game. Are you kidding me? He threw the ball 14 times. Yeah. I... Uh, yeah, I, I, I we're probably coming off really, really heavy-handed about this, but this is a loss, like you said in the open, Sean. We can explain away Washington. It's a nationally ranked team, and BYU's not on that level. Toledo is one of the favorites in the MAC. Them losing to Bowling Green today, I can't explain that. We'll leave that one there. But then USF, like you said, over the last year plus, the only FBS team they have beaten, not named BYU, was UConn, who might be one of the worst FBS teams in the country. This this is just it's the dregs of it's the, it's the, you feel like this should be rock bottom but BYU keeps finding rock bottom and they keep going down yeah they get out those pickaxes because they are just excavating lower and lower and lower by the week it seems yeah I don't know alright Sean um, any other thoughts for me before we call it a day on this edition of Locked on Cougars uh, I'm looking forward to getting some, a couple of answers maybe possibly out of Kalani and I'm not counting on it. addresses the firing <laughs> squad on Monday morning in the student athlete building. Yeah, I I don't think we're going to get very much, but uh, you know maybe the fishermen will uh, will uh, pull something out for the rest of us. And uh, you know if not, you got another two weeks of winter, BYU fans. Well, yeah, it, it it's not looking good right now, Sean. And like we mentioned, the next two games for BYU, a, a two rivalry games against a nationally ranked U, uh, Boise State squad, and then, of course, Utah State, an in-state rival. There'll be plenty hyped up for that game. Both have powerful running attacks. Man, it may get worse before it gets better for BYU, and that's, and that's tough to stomach if you're a BYU fan. Yeah, certainly, certainly. Uh, eventually, the dawn will come. But we, we might be in for a little bit more darkness, BYU fans. Yeah, it could be a rough October. Sean, I can't thank you enough for taking the time. Enjoy the Royals game tonight. Hopefully have a better showing on their home pitch there at Rio Tinto Stadium than BYU had at Raymond James Stadium today, all right? Hey, and just remember, BYU fans, there's always good news. Uh, BYU women's volleyball won their, I think, uh, ninth straight match tonight, today, 10th straight match today. Yeah, there. Um, and then BYU women's soccer ranked sixth in the country. There are other um, sports at BYU so, that are elite. BYU football not elite right now. Yeah, maybe maybe Michaela Coolahan has some uh, has some eligibility to come in and I don't know play tailback or something for BYU. <laughs> I guess we'll see. All right, Sean, we will talk to you soon. Thanks again for taking the time. Jake, thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure.